Welcome everyone to today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult. My name is Philip King Lowe, your host, and I am an autistic adult. Please visit my website, todaysautisticmoment.com. A reminder that today's autistic moment in my web address is all one word with no apostrophe between Y and S. When you visit my website, go all the way to the upper right corner to the hamburger menu. Tap or click on the three short lines. Next, click or tap on the plus sign next to podcast information to find newly published episodes and the box in the center where you can put your email address and subscribe. When you subscribe to today's Autistic Moment, you will receive emails with the links to new episodes and other news about this podcast. Also, be sure to click on today's Autistic Moment store for a new t-shirt with the logo for today's Autistic Moment on them. The material has been carefully selected to be as comfortable as possible for autistic individuals with clothing texture sensitivity. You can also follow today's Autistic Moment on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have one more announcement. Some listeners of mine have requested to have a transcript in addition to the spoken podcast. Beginning with this episode, you can now download a transcript in PDF document. Thank you to my listeners for requesting a transcript. This first segment of today's Autistic Moment is sponsored by the Autism Society of Minnesota, Minnesota's first autism resource. The Autism Society of Minnesota is celebrating 50 years of serving Minnesota's autism community. Visit them online at ausm.org. Being autistic at any age is challenging. Our neurodiversity makes each autistic adult unique with regards to sensory processing disorders, executive functioning, mental illnesses, and managing day-to-day activities. Many autistic adults have challenges with communicating our needs with physicians, and it is the common experience of many autistic individuals that many medical professionals are not educated about what being autistic means. Our bodies and minds go through many changes as we age. We need the help of information and resources to assist us with what we will need as we grow older. Yet much of that information and too many of those resources are not available as they should be for autistic adults. Autistic seniors needed the appropriate information, resources, and services yesterday. We need them that much more today. During this episode of today's Autistic Moment, we will talk about aging autistic adults and what we needed yesterday. My guest today is Dr. Teresa Regan, a neuropsychologist and an autism specialist. Dr. Regan is the author of the book, Understanding Autism in Adults and Aging Adults, Improving Diagnosis and Quality of Life. Dr. Regan has worked with adolescent through geriatric patients in medical settings for 25 years. She currently works at OSF St. Francis Medical Center in Peoria, Illinois. Now I present to you Aging Autistic Adults, What We Needed Yesterday with my guest, Dr. Teresa Regan. Dr. Regan, I want to thank you for um, being on today's Autistic Moments. Um, The matter of aging autistic adults has become uh, a a matter of great concern to me. Um, I am 52 years old and heading towards my own um, senior years. And as I've done my own research, I've noticed that there really isn't a lot of information out there 
about aging autistic adults. Um, and there's not a lot of websites, a lot of resources. And so um, after seeing that you wrote a book about um, autism and adults and aging adults with autism, I felt it was a good idea to have you as my guest um, to talk about these matters. Um, so, um, Dr. Regan, let's begin with my first question that I ask every show. Uh, what information should autistic adults and our caregivers need to know about when it comes to the issue of the aging autistic adults? Thanks, Philip. I, I do think you're right. That topic um, is so far behind some of what we know about autism in children. And I kind of came to the specialization through the back door, uh, so to speak. So I was a brain specialist for adults and aging adults first. And I'm a neuropsychologist, so I specialize in knowing how the brain impacts thinking, emotions, behavior, and personality. And I saw patients with brain injury and stroke and Alzheimer's and lots of things that impact the aging population as a whole. And it wasn't until I had a child who then was diagnosed on the spectrum that I was able to use that, that knowledge to identify uh, autistic adults and those in the aging population. So I do have a unique perspective and I work in a medical center. So that's um, somewhat of how I intersect with people. And there are several things that I notice about autism and aging that I wanted to share today. Um, you know, there are different things that happen with aging. Some of them are physical. So yeah. there can be chemical uh, changes in the body, like during menopause or hormonal changes. And there can be just the aging process of the brain itself. So uh, autism is neurologic and our brain, like every other part of our body is going to age and those things, the aging and the chemical changes can change some of how autism is experienced or expressed. So I noticed that. And then another big area of change is sometimes the environment or the context of life. So the demands of our life may get less. Uh, so if we retire or we have children leave the home, we may feel like we have less demands. We also may lose a lot of our daily structure. So I know a lot of autistics really rely on that routine and structure. And some of that may feel like it falls apart after retirement or after the kids leave home. And we also end up having a lot more chronic medical issues to manage. So for the autistic who finds it difficult to take care of themselves or to really uh, eat a wide variety of healthy food or to stay physically active, those things can be just a little bit more challenging with that aging process. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about specific things within those areas, Philip? I think what we want to talk about here, what are what do you find are some of the uh, more common illnesses that many seniors face everything from dementia stroke and heart disease and those sorts of things um what what is your take about those conditions being present in autistic individuals um so we know that autistic individuals often have more health conditions, visit the emergency room more often, the neurotypicals visit doctor's offices more often. Some of that may be because it's more difficult to do those self-care uh, routines, perhaps. Um, when it comes to the brain itself, we want to be really knowledgeable because one thing we don't want to happen with autism and aging is for the autistic adult to be misdiagnosed with a dementia. Because then you get medications that are expensive and have side effects and aren't going to be helpful. And you also have all that emotional journey of feeling like you have this condition that's a disease when actually all you're showing is are these autistic characteristics in the context of aging. Yeah. So you, you may find that 
your that organization was more difficult before and with aging it's even more difficult uh you yeah. may find that you know you've got ideas on the tip of your tongue and you just can't get them out and with age that's even more difficult um so making sure that your providers know that at baseline your brain was connected in a certain way you have a certain neurology that other people don't have and unfortunately, many providers that help people with uh, these chronic medical conditions, including dementia, you know, they're going to have no idea what autism looks like. Um, and so really telling them that your neurology to begin with was a little, um, a little bit different in the context of that developmental autism, at least they will know that they should be paying attention to both things. And now for our first commercial break, after which I will continue with my interview with Dr. Teresa Regan as we talk about aging autistic adults and what we needed yesterday. Stay tuned. great if everything fell in place. Sometimes our lives need a little rearranging. One of the most challenging times is when we experience a major transition, such as job exploration, moving to a new place, or simply when you are defining your path in life. During these challenging times, individuals can feel like there's a great river between you and where you want to go. Looking Forward Life Coaching helps carve a path to the destination that's right for you then lay the stepping stones so you can accomplish your goals. Visit us at lookingforwardlc.org for more information. Support for today's Autistic Moment comes from Best Care Home Care Agency. Best Care offers PCA choice, homemaking, and 245D services throughout the metro and greater Minnesota. Visit their website, bestcaremn.com, to learn more about their services. Welcome back to today's Autistic Moment. Let us now continue with my interview with Dr. Teresa Regan as we talk about aging autistic adults and what we needed yesterday. I once heard it said that um, there may be something to um, that being autistic can um, can cause the aging process to happen a little bit more intensely, mostly because of the trauma related to being autistic, social traumas. And um, so that, that the process is almost accelerated. Do you, have you, uh, do you, do you, do you think there's any truth to that, that notion? Um, I don't know that I agree with that statement, but what I have seen uh, with anybody uh, who has a different neurology in their youth. So let's say somebody had a stroke at an early age or they had um, attention deficit at an early age or anyone who's had a change in the brain or, an, or a difficulty in some system of the brain, that with aging, that system is going to have even more trouble. So I do think that when there's less buffer, um, we see the aging process more acutely. So let's say I had an old knee injury 
that I injured my knee when I was in my 20s. Well, you know that phenomenon where you get older and gosh, your knee is starting to show more and more uh, pain, um, more difficulty with flexibility. And so because I had a different knee health in early years, I feel that aging process more. So it can be okay. similar to that. Yeah. And I would imagine that part of the, um, the issue there could also be um, an autistic individual's um, sensory processing, the way we respond to pain, being either hypo or hypersensitive, uh, probably plays a role in some of that. Um, it certainly plays a role in the autistic's ability to know what's going on in their body, because you do have to communicate more with doctors when you're aging. And right. so they're going to ask you, when did the symptoms start? And is it sharp or is it uh, dull? And, you know, all yeah. of that discussion of, I feel this pain is going to be a little more difficult probably for the autistic to describe. And a lot of people on the autism spectrum, for example, they don't like that one to 10 pain scale. They don't like to put a number uh, on that scale. So doctors may use scales or lingo that really doesn't mesh with how you would describe your system. So that can be present as well. Yeah, I mean, I had a bit of a bit of a, uh, a challenging incident with that myself. Um, I have um, chronic back pain from a disc protrusion in my back and I use a wheelchair to help me get from, go through longer distances like down a long hallway or something like that. Mm -hmm. And for the longest time up until uh, November of 2018, I really wasn't feeling it all that much. And then all of a sudden in November of 2019, I'm sorry, 2018, I was like, oh my gosh, was I in terrible, terrible pain, you know? So yeah. I had to go through the process of that sort of thing. And my own psychotherapist um, kind of explained to me that that happens in large part because of, of the experience an autistic person can have with pain. As, I, you know, as indicated, at one point in time, I was hyposensitive, which means I probably already was in pain for, for quite a long time. And I went from hypo to hyper. And so he explained that when, 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 when we feel pain in a hypersensitivity, then that pain is just more intense. Yeah, and people who have that hyper-awareness of physical sensation need to understand that too, that if they go to the doctor and the doctor says, gosh, you know, everything looks uh, really pretty solid, I'm not seeing a disease process, it may be because they're hyper-aware of physical yeah. sensations that don't involve an actual disease process. So it can go either way, can it, Philip? Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I had my own issues explaining my pain to a pain, a pain doctor, yeah. just explaining how come it's, it's that bad. And he's like, he's like, well, it shouldn't be. And I'm like, well, it is, <laughs> you know, <I> mean, <laughs> it's not like you can really, you know, um, the pain is in my body, not yours. Uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, and I do find myself on many occasions of having to be the person who tells my doctor more about my autism than they, than they probably know about. Oh, I'm um, sure that I'm sure that that's going to be the norm for a while. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, you know, as long as we're um, on this particular subject, and we can begin to cross into my second question about what are the barriers for autistic adults of all ages when it comes to um, aging, aging adults here. And I think one of the things we just we just kind of bridged on was um, the, the communication challenges with, with physicians and, and others who might, we might need to help us. Right, and it's really amazing. We've come so far and yet we have so far to go to really not only raise awareness about autism as a concept, but where people in our community say, oh, I know what autism looks like in my church or my neighborhood or my school or my medical clinic, that it doesn't really translate to a lot of usable knowledge sometimes. And that's where right. we, we have to do that, that communicating 
Um, so there are really two levels of advocacy, isn't there? There would be the personal level, like I'm my right. own advocate. And there's also perhaps the community or organizational level that I see these needs for autistic adults in general. And I wanna advocate for that in my community. Um, so as far as you know, your own advocacy, you will, I think, expect to have to explain what autism looks like in you and what you need. Uh, there are estimates that as much as 90% or more of autistic adults are missing a diagnosis. And our adult providers, whether that's in medical care or assisted living or financial assistance, you know, you're going to be interacting with people who have no idea sometimes that autism even occurs in adults. They think of it as a pediatric. <laughs> yeah. I know. They, so you're starting at the beginning a lot of times. What is autism? What does it look like? What does right. it impact in this situation? Uh, yeah. So a lot of personal advocacy. Yeah, that's one of the things I, I explained in my introductory show that among the reasons I'm doing this podcast is because of this misconception that after we're 18 or 21 years old, somehow we're not autistic anymore, even if we yeah. were diagnosed as autistic, which I, and I basically say, here's your newsflash. Yeah. That's simply not true. Yeah, <laughs> I know. know. Yeah. And, and, and because it can look different and different people that they have, like we were just talking about hyper or hyposensitivity. So there's this range too. So as an individual, it does help if you can communicate whether you make up a letter for somebody or you have a friend or an advocate who helps you communicate. Uh, you may want to have a few points, you know, in a doctor's office, I have autism and it helps me if I don't have to communicate on the phone, or it helps me if I don't have to wait in the waiting room, or I can't eat a wide variety of food. And so I want you to know that. So yeah. very specific things and the burden of communication <laughs> ends up being on you, you uh, to I, advocate for those personal things. Yeah. And that's, I, I can think of one barrier on that. I mean, a lot of us on the spectrum, there are autistic adults who really have issues with communicating I on know. behalf of themselves. Yeah. It you is know. kind of ironic, isn't it, that you have this difficulty and yet you're in a position of having to do it. It does help uh, when you've lived long enough as an adult that you may have certain things you just know that you need. And you could even put that in a letter and hand it to someone or type it out. But also if you have a friend or, an, or a family member, an advocate who maybe could do that with you. Like if, yeah. I, if I wanted my doctor to know five things about me, what would it be? Um, yeah. but it, does, it does put a burden on you for social communication, uh, yeah. which is hard. Yeah, and this is where I would interject with, this is why I believe it is so important to have a diagnosis. Yeah. Because um, my listeners hear me say this every show probably, but uh, I do believe that the answer is to become the expert about our particular autistic yeah. traits and to also be, to become the expert about how to communicate about it. Um, yeah, I, but, I really agree yeah. with that, Philip. Uh, in my experience too, with aging adults, it's even more important because you can't trust your provider to know that for you. <laughs> and okay, you don't want to be diagnosed yeah. with a dementia uh, or treated for something you don't have. And can we stop for a second here? Um, I think the, um, the zoom interview kind of went a little bit, uh, like we couldn't hear the sound of what you were, how you were answering my okay. question. So could you come through with that again? I think that's really important to have a diagnosis, especially in adulthood, because you don't want, you can't count on your providers to know what autism looks like or to see it in you. And once you have that established diagnosis, I think it helps avoid misdiagnoses. Like you don't wanna be treated for a dementia you don't have, for example. Right. So we wanna be clear about what you have, but what you don't have. Yeah, and a, a real barrier there is suppose somebody is beginning 
to experience some kind of dementia matter and they can't remember. Right. How do yeah. you communicate that? You know, I know uh, it gets very complex to do as much as we can ahead of time, but you're right. Someone can have both autism and a dementia as well. And we yeah. like to have things in place before uh, you might have trouble communicating those kinds of yeah. things because of a dementia. Yeah. I would think that one of the barriers too is, is, is having um, family members around them or people who understand about, about their autism so that they can help that person communicate. Right. Uh, I would, that, that, that would be a barrier too, wouldn't it be? I think that, you know, having a diagnosis sometimes helps us stay in touch with certain family members. I think if they don't understand maybe why someone is not connecting with the family very well, sometimes that individual ends up being really pretty isolated. Yeah. Um, if they have a diagnosis, sometimes they can stay connected in a more functional way. And then, you know, a family member is there to help them say, this, yeah. is, this is how you do best. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I say, um, if a family member doesn't understand a lot about their loved one's autism, then they can't really help them communicate about it, especially if there's a denial issue oh, or I know, some, yeah. you know, those sorts of things. And we know that those things, those things do happen. Oh, uh, we also know that, you know, for many autistic adults, as they grow older, they may have uh, an ex-spouse that they may or may not be able to rely on. Um, they may have other contacts that have moved on or something like that that can really help them. We also know, and I know this from my personal, my personal self here, um, that a lot of um, autistic adults you know, require the use of a PCA of some kind, which would be ideal to help them. But getting the PCAs is so very difficult, especially during COVID-19. Yeah. I think we could list barriers all day long. Can we, Philip? <laughs> yeah, uh, we could. We really could. After the commercial break, we will conclude with my interview with Teresa Regan as we talk about aging autistic adults and what we needed yesterday. Stay tuned. Dr. Regan's book, Understanding Autism in Adults and Aging Adults, Improving Diagnosis and Quality of Life, can be purchased on todaysautisticmoment.com. Go to podcast episodes and scroll down to the description of this episode. Just below it, you can tap or click on the photo of the book to be connected to the link to purchase Dr. Regan's book through Amazon. Looking for some new books or really cool fidgets? Go to today's Autistic Moment store on my website. There is a great book for autistic adults entitled, I Think I Might Be Autistic, A Guide to Autism Spectrum Disorder Diagnosis and Discovery for Adults by author Cynthia Kim. You can also find weighted blankets and a silicone bracket to use with face masks to keep the material off of your skin, on your nose and face. Thank you for listening to today's Autistic Moment. Support comes from Minnesota Independence College and Community a life and career skills program for young adults with autism and learning differences. Help a young adult take a step towards their independence and a vibrant life. Learn more at micommunity.org. Beginning March 1st through April 24th, I will be having a fundraiser for the Autism Society Minnesota 
for April, which is Autism Acceptance Month. Go to my website, todaysautisticmoment.com, to the store and purchase a custom-made t-shirt. Buy a t-shirt anytime between March 1st and April 24th, and I will be donating 15% of the total sale of all the t-shirts sold to the Autism Society of Minnesota through the Give at Home fundraiser by Give Minnesota in May, which will double the total of the donation. If you would prefer to make a donation without buying a t-shirt, you can do that too. Look for the button in today's Autistic Moment store to donate to the awesome fundraiser. I will be hosting a booth for today's Autistic Moment at the Virtual Stake Autism Conference organized by the Autism Societies of Minnesota and Greater Wisconsin April 21st through April 24th where you can purchase a t-shirt to go towards our donation. You can also enter your name for a drawing to receive a free custom-made t-shirt. The next episode of today's Autistic Moment will be Autistic Adults, Our Own Brand, Make, and Model. My good friend Robin DeCourcy and I will talk about neurodiversity. Other upcoming shows will be on subjects such as Adult Autistic Women, Autism Acceptance, and Social Narratives for Autistic Adults. Remember, you can always follow Today's Autistic Moment on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now you can follow us on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening to Today's Autistic Moment. Welcome back to today's Autistic Moment. Let us now continue with my interview with Dr. Teresa Regan as we talk about aging autistic adults and what we needed yesterday. At some point, you probably as a personal advocate have to say, well, I can't, I can't change this right now, but I could do this little piece. You know, whatever yeah. you can do uh, right, in exactly. this area would be helpful. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've already been talking, you know, what you know? Um, what steps should autistic adults and our caregivers take to advocate for ourselves? And we've already been talking a lot about about that. But you know, there's a lots of different ways we can advocate for ourselves, mm -hmm. and we've already mentioned a few. What might be some some others that you might be able to think of? Well, I think that we mentioned, but really didn't go into advocating on a larger level for autistic adults. So yes, one thing that, you know, not everybody can run a podcast, but maybe somebody sees something in their community that's lacking for autistic adults. And maybe that's support in assisted living, maybe that's uh, financial support and, and advisors for individuals who understand autism. And again, you can't do everything, but if every person you know, kind of identified a small niche that they could advocate for in their community, that would be a great help too. So somebody might volunteer to tell their story to an assisted living um, management group so that they yes. understand disabilities more. Um, yeah. those, those kinds of local advocacy things can really be ways of, of planting seeds for the future as well. Yes, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, well, I think a lot of the, the self-advocacy we, we really do need. I mean, we really need some robust advocacy here. Mm -hmm. I, mean, um, I mean, autistic adults are not represented in, uh, in groups like the AARP. You know, we don't have a lot of those organizational structures around our particular needs so to speak we have we have autism advocacy groups like the autism society of minnesota but you know even the autism society of minnesota um has been um has been um struggling a little bit of how they create advocacy for the aging autistic community 
Um, I was the one who um, I did a presentation at the Autistic Community Summit last September, and I had to begin that that particular uh, presentation by saying I'd like to be able to give you a lot more positive information that I can give you right now, but I can't give that to you mm -hmm. because I found very few articles on the internet, maybe one or two at best. Other than that, I didn't see anything about legislations going through through you know state or federal governments. I did not see you know advocacy groups you know specifically you know working for the aging autistic community and but I did find one article that was on Spectrum News that told a few stories about some experiences that some autistic adults in in their senior years have experienced such as one individual who was experiencing a stroke but he had the steps he had to go through to communicate that that what was happening to him were pretty substantial and quite traumatic actually mm -hmm. and so by the time they actually got to the problem i mean he had suffered quite a bit of damage himself yeah i think there's complexity to all of these issues because we're talking about advocating for yourself and changing culture and and we all know that culture change and you know, advocating for changes in legislation and community services, boy, those takes decades to achieve. And I think that one great approach we could take is to say, you know, well, in this area of advocating for myself, I could do these things and I can't change the culture today, but I could just take that step forward and go to my local agency and, and volunteer my story. And right. um, at yeah. least we can feel a little bit more empowered. I think one of the things I struggle with, Philip, and maybe this is unique to me, but I can feel like, gosh, there's so much I want to improve. And I have such a heart and a passion for this that I can almost feel frozen <laughs> that there's so much to improve. I don't know if I can do it. So sometimes if I take that one next step, yeah. um, I get a little bit further. But you're right. There's a lot to do. Yeah, I mean, one of the people in that presentation just expressed the concern that what if um, they happen to be in an assisted living facility due to some issue they had, and they were d working with either other, you know, other, uh, you know, other patients around them and and care staff who don't understand autism. I mean, how are they gonna how are they gonna do that? I mean, um, you know, they they know they're gonna have to communicate about that about that, but of course, communicating and finding a listening, responsive ear on the other end is more than half of that challenge. Yeah, and sometimes getting established with. Uh, let's say from my perspective as someone who works in a hospital, the more established the autistic adult is with providers who know them, the more likelihood things are to go well. Uh, and yeah. the more isolated the person is, and then they come in for an emergency, it is a lot harder for carers to catch up. Like, oh, I don't know this person at all. Now I'm trying to catch up. But boy, this, mm. there's a lot to know about this person. So another thing that some of our patients do is they have a document about what they need in the hospital. You know, I have trouble with this kind of food. I have trouble with this kind of noise. I like to know my schedule ahead of time. And they have it in a document. And then it's scanned into their medical record. And when they do present it pops up as an information sheet. So sometimes yeah. those things can help. Uh, and you're right, it's probably not as consistent as we always would like, but the more people know you and the more you're able even just to have a document of some things that would specifically help you, probably the more likely you are to have success in some of those situations. Yeah, I would like to share an advocacy that I personally have, to have had to do with my own medical doctor, um, you know, um, 
and, and he's told me very openly and admittedly that the medical the medical health organization uh, that he works for really doesn't provide um, autism training. They've never had some kind of continuing educational opportunity that teaches them how to interact with autistic individuals. Mm. And so I have often spent more of my time just helping my physician understand my autism. Yeah. And at one particular point, at the advice of my own psychotherapist, I told him, I said, you know, really, it really isn't my duty to teach you about my autism. You know, as a doctor, you're the one who is supposed to be learning about that information yourself to better learn how to, how to help me. Um, you know, it's really not my duty to educate them about my particular situation, but because they're not receiving that information because they're not being trained, then I do have to do some of my own. And, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, I think there is um, a responsibility for professionals to always be learning. I agree with that. I do think that learning is no substitute to hearing it from you. Right. <laughs> uh, I think both, both are necessary. So, yes. so before I had a son on the spectrum, I went to conferences, I read about it, but boy, there's no substitute for seeing someone's story and hearing right. from them what real yeah. life looks like. And so yeah. I think your advocacy and ongoing learning, those are both two parts of the, of the path to really yeah. better care. Yeah, um, my listeners have also heard me say um, on previous shows, and I really do feel that it's worth repeating. Um, when we tell our stories about what being autistic means for us, we do help people learn about autistic individuals somehow. Um, you know, we may not, we may or may not get someone on the other side who is really listening, but we have it, we have made the, um, the effort to yeah. try to help somebody understand. And, and, you know, this is where a lot of the self-advocacy happens about a few, uh, about, well, Six, uh, six, eight years ago, Minnesota learned a lesson from one of our campaigns um, that when we tell our stories, people do listen and people do learn. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like when it comes to being autistic, it's the same kind of thing. People need to hear about what it means for us to be autistic and how, how it affects us. Yeah, book, so, learning, you know. book learning is one thing, but getting to know people and hearing their story, that's really impactful. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, um, I, think that, I think that's a very important part of advocating, especially with a medical community that is sadly so far behind when it comes to information about autism. Um, I, I think self-advocacy also involves um, developing a positive, a positive sense of oneself as being autistic. Mm -hmm. um, this is me, this is part of the reason I use the word autistic um, is because I am, you know, I am an autistic individual, I am not a deficit, I don't have something I pick up and put down, as in my autism isn't something I can, you know, release myself from. Yeah. It really is part of everything that I, everything that I am. And I really think, you know, um, my most recent uh, episode before this one was with Sue Swenson, as we spoke about ableism together. And, you know, ableism, within ableism, there's, there is that tendency, because we are, quote, disabled by, you know, by, you know, that, you know, we, we tend to view ourselves negatively. Mm -hmm. And that being autistic means, quote, there's something wrong. Um, but I really do think that one of those important pieces of self-advocacy is to learn to see us as autistic individuals, to see it as a positive, not the negative that we're told that it is. 
Yeah, I think that's a great way of expressing it. And every human is going to have things that they're really strong in and they have these strengths and other things that they struggle with. And to know our own strengths and struggles, whether we're on the spectrum or not, is really huge, isn't it? To, to balance yes. all that mixture together. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. I agree with that. Well, Dr. Regan, I want to thank you for being on today's Autistic Moment. Um, I think this has been most helpful. Um, do you have any, inf any information you can share about what might be some resources that some people might, are there resources that people can look, at, look up or look into that can be of help for us that you can think of? Well, like you said, I, I think there's a scarcity of that right now as far as published resources. Um, right. I think, you know, we're trying to add to that collection. I have some things on my website, um, but I would like to expand that even more. So that's adultandgeriatricautism.com. I have yep. a, some things in my in my book that I'm actually doing a revision of the book and I'm going to put a chapter in it that talks more about the aging process um, in there. So I, that is in process. Um, but yeah, I think we're at the beginning stages of, of developing things like that, um, as you said before. So hopefully we'll have more to talk about soon. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Dr. Regan, once again, I thank you for being on my show today. I, again, you've given us a lot of great information to consider. Um, and would you please give your web address one more time? That's adultandgeriatricautism.com. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I also want to encourage my listeners to look for um, Dr. Regan's book, Understanding Autism in Adults and Aging, Aging Adults. And um, it's really a great read and it has some great insight into things like executive functioning and uh, sensory processing and, and those sorts of things. It's really worth reading. And so I encourage my listeners to look for that book. Dr. Regan, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Philip. Okay, thank you so much. And now for today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. Celebrate 50 years with a toast to the Autism Society of Minnesota during an at-home brunch. Gather your friends, family, and a brunch of your choice on February 28th for a virtual celebration of Awesome's many accomplishments for the past 50 years. Awesome will entertain you with an interactive online program, including local celebrity chefs and prize drawings. Understanding Autism and Best Strategic Practices Learn common characteristics of individuals with autism and sensory processing disorders. Obtain valuable insight on evidence-based practices to support autistic people and sensory processing sensitivities. These classes are ideal for caregivers, parents, grandparents, group home and day program staff, PCAs, and healthcare staff. Classes are free of charge and will be held virtually in March and April. Inform, influence, innovative, together. The second collaborative Virtual conference organized by the Autism Societies of Minnesota and Greater Wisconsin will take place April 21st through the 24th, 2021. Go to ausm.org for more information and to register. Thank you for listening to today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult.